swingers, oh, the jungle VIP. I've reached the top and had to stop, and that's what's bothering me. I want to be a man. Great, sons. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Mouse Madness, a podcast dedicated to bracketing all things Disney. I'm Chris Bowersox. And I'm Kyle Skinner. And we are your hosts for Mouse Madness. Each episode will focus on a single Disney topic, generate a bracket, and debate our way through the madness to figure out who or what is truly the best. Follow us and play along on Twitter at Mouse Madness Pod. Send us an email at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com or support us on Patreon by becoming a member of Jerry's Gang at patreon.com slash mousemadness. Kyle, we're back. We're back in our happy place, the happiest place on earth. We're talking best Disneyland resort land. We said goodbye to some some spots of the park that I really enjoy last round. We sent home New Orleans Square. We sent home Tomorrowland. Oof. Yeah, two big hitters in the land of Disneyland lands. And I'm surprised and, and, you know, of course, I'm a little upset about New Orleans Square as you are about Tomorrowland. But over the past week since the last episode went out, I've been thinking about other quote unquote lands of the Disneyland Resort talking about downtown Disney, maybe even like the Disneyland hotel area itself. And the Trader Sam's Kangaroo Terrace mini area land in the hotels is just a favorite place of mine. I love hanging out there, obviously love Trader Sam's, but sitting out on that deck and you're surrounded by the like palm trees, you got the Disneyland hotel pool on the other side, like it's just such a nice Disney atmosphere without being in the middle of the madness as if you were in one of the parks. Underrated area, uh, probably not underrated because it's actually like very popular, but underrated as far as like spending a good amount of quality time over there. And if I was rich, I would stay at the Disneyland Hotel and after, you know, around 9 p.m., leave the park, spend the rest of my night at Trader Sam's. That sounds like the best time, the best vacation for me. Uh, and speaking of uh, best vacations, we have somebody here as a guest host who gave guests their best vacations because she worked at the theme park. She worked at the Disneyland Resort. It is returning guest host, Carly. Carly, welcome back. Hello. Thank you for having me. We appreciate you making the tough decisions last time. And in the last episode, I had introed you and asked you if you'd ever seen somebody get knocked out on Small World, to which you replied that you saw a little kid take a head first belly flop dive into the flume. I want to hear maybe another story uh, from your experience at the Disneyland Resort. Uh, what's, what's something that when you look back on your time, you're like either, wow, that's crazy that that happened, or wow, I'm really happy I was there for that moment. I can think of one on each end. So probably the most magical moment, like talk about making a vacation, was when I was working a parade and I was doing guest control. So working right, in the, I worked on It's a Small World. So that's kind of right where the parade steps off. Yeah. Um, and so there, I saw this one girl, she was dressed as a princess and she was like really far in the back of the crowd. And I took her hand and I brought her to the very, very front, like right in the parade route as the princesses were coming by. Oh. And like all the princesses came over and said hi to her. And she was just freaking out. Her mom was crying. Oh. The, whole, the whole thing. That was one of the most like magical moments. But I've had some not so magical guess okay and 
I think so. The small world queue changed kind of recently within the past few years. They made it handicap accessible, and a lot of people like did not enjoy that or wanted to bring their strollers in the queue for whatever reason. <laughs> oh, so man. I have this one guest, <laughs> one guest who like left their stroller, and you know, Fantasyland stroller parking is like a disaster. Yep. So I had one guest like arguing with me and my manager my lead at the time and we've just parked their stroller so far almost <laughs> putting it we basically put it on the train that's how <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's, yeah so that's kind of my favorite good and bad stories <laughs> i love cast member pettiness and i'm glad that you partook in that because of course people that go to those parks absolutely deserve the petty that that comes to them including putting their stroller the furthest away that it could ever be put which is on the train <laughs> yes people drop stacks on these these strollers these days like they i mean in a way i get the this the stroller sensitivity it's like you're moving someone's car without without permission yeah yeah, and I've listened to other podcasts in which they've told stories of mistaken identity strollers. Imagine getting off a ride and your stroller just isn't there. And it had, you know, maybe the essentials for taking care of your kid, hopefully not your personal belongings because you would not be smart to leave it in a stroller. But if you're renting one of those Disney strollers, guess what? There's about 700 other ones around the resort that look just like it. And so if you're not keeping an eye on it, that thing is getting swooped. So I I get the the stroller anxiety, but come on, don't bring that thing on Small World. For real. Oh, <laughs> uh, all right, y'all, let's pick up this uh bracket with a spoonful of sugar in hand. Now, I cracked one, but I while Carly was telling her Small World story, had to run and get a different one cuz <laughs> I think it was one of them beers that went bad. Um, <laughs> Kyle, what, what do you have? <laughs> what, you crack it and it got a whiff of whatever was in the can? What, uh, what I, reminded I, you? Well, it was before we started recording, uh, Carly and I were reminiscing about Santa Barbara, and I cracked open an 805, and I was Ooh. like, yeah. Yeah, Santa Barbara, yeah. And I took a little sip, and it tasted like a Bud Light, which oh, is not... Yeah. That's not what an 805 is supposed to taste like. No, no. I so. don't think it would have been damaging to my health if I drank the whole thing, but... Um, not a great experience. Yeah, so, I, I yeah, that, that was a good move. I thought you <laughs> cracked it open. You're like, oh, nope, that smells like a, like an old one. I'm not going to mm -hmm. drink nope. that. Um, I went back to the cocktail mixing for this episode yet again. I, I told everybody I was going to be back, and I'm back. Uh, this time, I made a tequila sunrise. So if you've never had one of those, oh, yeah. it's uh, two ounces of tequila, the rest of the cup full of orange juice with a little splash of grenadine. And that's what I have in my cup. And I'm calling it the tequila sunrise of the resistance. Of course. It tequila was... sunrise was my <laughs> summer camp beverage of choice for, for two Same. summers Dude. until, until uh, you were the bartender. <laughs> 
Um, and then I transitioned to whiskey sour <laughs> because boy, your whiskey pour was heavy handed. Oh yeah. All my pours were heavy handed. And the thing about tequila sunrise is that the family vacation center was that no one ordered a tequila drink. They all wanted a vodka drink or they wanted a whiskey drink or they wanted a gin drink. I sound like that Chumbawamba song, uh, get knocked down, take a whiskey drink, take a vodka <laughs> drink, you take a vodka drink, you take a summer drink. And so I would just have all of this tequila. Like we would just have tequila. So your boy was just pouring himself tequila sunrises all night long. And then the whiskey sour pours would get heavier and heavier, especially for the people working the event. So uh, you're welcome, I guess. Uh, What did you replace the rancid 805 with? I went back and I got another sour plum Nova, plum sour Nova from Almanac. Oh, the one I ran about three weeks ago with. Kyle Madsen on our best Disney movie quote bracket. I got to start. I got to start getting through these beers because this is what happens. I get a beer that I really want and then I don't drink it and then it goes bad and then it goes down the drain. Sure. So I got to stay on top of these beers. But more importantly, Kyle, I am wearing my pod squad jersey. Yes, I am are. wearing my San Diego Padres jersey. This episode comes out on Pi Day, March 14th. And, and we have exciting news. Baseball is back. <laughs> they have reached. They had reached a CBA agreement, um, and it's back. We are we are playing spring training baseball next week, and, and it's such an exciting time. And I am I am in Arizona right now. Yeah, you when are. you're listening to this, and and the season is full ago. Yes, it is. It's happening, and and this speech is going to age just super fine. well. It's going <laughs> yeah. to age fine, and it's going to be true when this episode releases. Can't um, wait for the narrator to step in and let us know what actually happens. Record scratch. Yep. <laughs> Baseball was not back. Um, <laughs> Carly, what are you drinking? I got a sparkling water, but I had to make it fun. So I got some green, some green food coloring. Oh, and we can just call it. We can call it a, a Yoda Yoda soda. A Yoda soda. So simple, but so effective. Too. Yes. That's all you that. need right there. The Yoda soda. That Ogas should be selling the, the Yoda soda. I think yeah. we need to, to suggest that. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, you should patent it. They're already <laughs> listening. Don't worry. They've got, <laughs> they've got their critical mention <laughs> alert set for the Mouse Madness podcast. and They do. Shout out it. to the, uh, the director of Magic Happens. I uh, don't remember your name, but thank you for listening to our podcast and congrats on your dub in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> so just to remind everyone, the chosen demographic that selected our field of 16 Disneyland Resort lands, we sent the interns into the park and they asked overdressed winter parks goers, what's the best Disneyland Resort land? They gave us 16 out of a possible 17. We <laughs> narrowed it down to a round of eight. Um, and here's kind of where we're picking up the bracket. It's number one, Cars Land versus number nine, Frontierland. Number four, Main Street USA versus number 12, Grizzly Peak. Number two, Galaxy's Edge versus number seven, Pixar Pier. Number three, Fantasyland versus number six, Adventureland. I'll go ahead and start off the conversation this week as we talk about the number one seed, Cars Land versus the number nine seed, Frontierland. Frontierland, we knocked around a little bit, even though we gave it the pass last week. Had a pretty easy matchup that was somehow still an upset um, up against Buena Vista Street. Yeah. But some things that we did not like about Frontierland, long distance, 
between the closest bathroom <laughs> and that backside of the big thunder trail, right sorry, where the traction lets out. The we is a you. Had okay. The biggest issue. We meet the the royal we, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, as the dude would say. Um, we've also got uh, this romanticism of the wild west that is getting worse with every passing year. Yep. Uh, from like a taste tastefulness perspective. Some things we like about Frontierland, great retail, great retail experience, very on theme shopping, a very appropriate place to have a lot of shops. Um, and it gets you in the spirit to, to drop some dough on some, some pins at the pin trading mercantile or some just cool, just cool parks related stuff. Um, on that kind of South stretch of a Frontierland near the golden horseshoe attractions. All right, let's talk about Frontierland attractions. Kyle, you shouted out the Frontierland shooting exposition for being a total piece of garbo. Yeah. Which you know what? Like it it is what it is at this point. Yeah. You know, it's it could be imagineered for something a little bit better, but it's something that people seem to like to do at the same time. Yeah. I just wish they had some time they might have this. Do they have like uh, Apple Pay or some type of like touch payment system to to shoot things nowadays or do you still have to like put cash in a machine and get quarters i don't know carly do you have any insight i don't know i think it's still quarters they don't even have tap to pay or do they well it's because they're still developing disney pay right that's just Mm. an an add-on to disney plus is you pre you prepay so that you can go ahead and tap your phone using the genie plus app Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. Oh, come on. It's an attraction that I really appreciate and I will go to bat for a lot from a roller coaster engineering perspective. It is um, excellent. Like it's, it's impressive. Very impressive. You've got, you've got a lot of trains on a little bit of track and it keeps that line moving. Love that. The theme's great. Um, It's not the most thrilling attraction, but they do a lot to make it seem more thrilling than it is. A lot of near miss elements, a lot of head chopper effects. Um, I know the explosion scene doesn't really like work a whole lot, um, but you've when also got does, the goat. It hits, but yes, the goat. You've got the goat trick. Mm-hmm. Goat trick's a classic. I um, mean, you got that little splashdown ending, sort of. And yeah. then, you know, you've you got the shout out to the Rainbow Ridge um, with those little shops there. I love it this was an attraction that saved uh, Disneyland Paris big time big big time um, so I, I really appreciate Big Thunder Mountain Railroad as a as an idea you've got all of Pirate's Lair on Tom Sawyer Island apparently <laughs> yes you do uh, which is something I don't know a whole lot about haven't been out there a lot lately paging um, Mandy and Mandy's family but it's one of those spots where like, I think it could go both ways. It could be absolute insanity with a lot of little Charlie Calvin's running around. <laughs> or, you know, you could walk along the backside of the um, Fort Wilderness and maybe yeah. there's some like nice little peaceful walking trails out there where, uh, you know, you get a little peep of the river traffic. Yeah. Speaking of river traffic, you've also got Mark Twain. You've got Sailing Ship Columbia. I recently was on Tom Sawyer's Island and you would like about a month ago and you would be really disappointed. The bathrooms were closed. So I think it would have to be a no go 
Wow. Yeah. What you can't a, get out shame. there. You can't get out there stranded without any bathrooms. Then you'd have to wait for the raft to get back. Mm-hmm. Show me the pipes. Show me the pipes that go underneath the water or into like in, into the water and then like up, up, up the... Come on. That's impressive. That's an impressive piece into- of... <laughs> All, all drains lead. What do they say in Finding Nemo? All drains lead to the ocean. All drains lead to the rivers of America. America. (laughs) It's just straight dookie water. That's why it's brown. Yeah, that's why you can't see the the rails of the Mark Twain is because it's just the sewage let off from New Orleans Square and Tom Sawyer Island. The mist screen during Phantasmic is just like. (laughs) Oh no. Wow. Did you know the water? It is connected, so it goes from the castle, Jungle Cruise, Storybook, Rivers of America, all share the same lovely water. Which is crazy. Does it's so crazy? Does uh, it share water with Splash Mountain? I don't think so. Something because tells- the water that the water that touches guests has to be treated differently. Oh. Okay. Which sure hopes so, up. Like, That's why I asked. Water. Yeah, the small world water. <laughs> small okay, so, world water. So, <laughs> if, apparently. If the, yeah, apparently, if you're the little kid. <laughs> oh, man. I like the boat traffic, you know, like, I like it. Love I it. like it a lot. Um, I've said this before and I'll say it again. The That waterfront, that Rivers of America waterfront, to me, more Disney feeling than Sleeping Beauty's castle, even. Oh my goodness. It's a hot take, but like I tend to spend so much time doing Splash Mountain, Pirates, Mansion. Like that is such a solid stretch. I mean, Big Thunder you can throw in there as well. Like that is such a solid like group of four attractions. Maybe pop over and get a little indie in there too. Like right. that's just it's just it's inspiring to me. Yeah, a lot of time is because spent that's, on that riverfront. Exactly. So, I mean, the, it being a part of Frontierland technically is is big. It's huge. Frontierland going up against Carsland. So, Kyle, you talked about the versatility of Carsland being something that's really important. It's got a little something for everyone in terms of attractions. You've got a, a classic e-ticket attraction. In Radiator Springs Racers, it's got the dark ride elements and it's got a thrilling high speed section as well. You've got um, some kids stuff like Tomater's Junkyard Jamboree. You've got Luigi's Flying Tires, which is a combo of like a kid's attraction, but also super like innovative. I mean, a step forward in like the trackless type of technology that we've seen improved upon gradually. It's also a fun thing to just to just hang out and like watch, watch, watch. it. Do its it's thing. way more fun with a with a beer in hand. And it used to be flying tires. It's now the Rollickin' Roadsters. That's right. Um, you talked about the plethora of gift shop options. There's um there's a, a Flo's V8 Cafe, which I don't think I've ever eaten there before. Nearby. But I have had uh one of the cones from the Cozy Cone Motel. It was What'd like a think? mac and cheese cone. I was into it. I mean, okay. I I am the type of person who does not like to sit down and have lunch in the park because in real life, 
I eat one meal a day and it's at like six or seven o'clock. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, people are heading to lunch at one or two. I'm like, yeah, I'm walking a lot. I could use something like, let me grab a little handwich and, and crush it real quick and, and I'll yeah. be on my way. You know, You're so I'm really guy. into that. I'm a bread bull guy. Exactly. I'll grab a churro. Yeah. Grab a turkey leg. Grab a corn dog. <laughs> Those things that like are a little, have a little bit of substance, but like, you know. That's how you do lunch. Uh, yeah. I, I'm with you. I'm with you. Nighttime. I think you shouted out nighttime as well. Uh, last episode. Briefly. The nighttime in Cars Land is, it, that's can't miss Disneyland Resort. Can't miss. And it's a part of the movie that is really special. Like Lightning McQueen sees this real rundown po-dunky town. They get the neon all working again and it lights up and you go, wow, look at all this character here. And in a way, you feel the same when you're in that space uh, in, in the physical realm as well. And yeah. I think that's probably the number one thing that makes Cars Land such an elite land. It mm. is it is a place in a movie that has been replicated in real life. Yeah. I don't think there's any other theme park area anywhere in the world that is quite like that. Not that to has tea. these that has that has these physical landmarks in the movie and then it is perfectly recreated um in real life. Just next so closest, cool. <clears throat> next closest thing is maybe Pandora. They, not there's even, not the man. landmarks, but there's the floating rocks, which are in the film. And that's something I would love to see Disney do more of as we move into the future and think about expanding uh, with that. What is it? Disney forward was the, was the thing. Yeah. What is it? Disney for, I think, yeah. Disney forward. Yeah. Like doing, um, Zootopia is what they want to do, right? Or they are doing in Wakanda. Wakanda is what, yes. Yes, they are trying to do a Zootopia, but I would love to see them do a Wakanda. Um, Arendelle is coming to Hong Kong Disneyland. Yes. That is one that I could see giving Cars Land a run for its money in terms of like a recreation of a fictional place. Avengers Campus was right there. It was right there. You could have done it, but they went with kind of a different ver fictional version of what an Avengers campus would look like. Do you think that they're going to fly the Arendelle flag low? No. You know why? It's always high. Because Elsa promised us <laughs> that the flag of Arendelle will always fly. Flag will always fly. Flag will always fly. <laughs> Frontierland has that classic Disneyland nostalgia. Yes. Opening day, it was there. And, the and we talked about this. I can't remember when we talked about this, but Frontierland being essentially the IP of 1955. I think yeah. we were talking about best Disney thing of 2021. And we were talking about is Marvel Disney? Yes. Marvel is Disney now. Yes. Yes. So what like Frontierland was Disney back then. They're doing the mask of Zorro and uh, exactly. Yep. And that David kind of Crockett. Stuff. David Crockett. So um, I appreciate the past of Frontierland, but if I'm taking someone to Disneyland, if I'm taking someone to the Disneyland Resort, 
2022, what is a can't-miss experience? Cars Land definitely is that over Frontier. I would say like Big Thunder Mountain Railroad is maybe a can't-miss attraction, but like let's go to Cars Land even if we don't get on anything. You have to go there and check it out because it is a marvel of engineering. It is an accomplishment of mankind, Cars Land. Like that is not hyperbole. Like I truly believe that. Yeah, I'm with you big time. So I got I got number one number one seed advancing. Frontierland has this great Disney history nerd journaling about it. There's a lot of these tidbits that add to the history, not only of the company, but of the parks. You have the petrified tree. We haven't talked about the petrified tree. Sits right outside that's of stupid. Frontierland. That's, no, that's stupid. Like I'm not I, saying, yeah, no, stupid. I'm not saying that it's Waste good. of space. I'm not Waste saying of that's space. good. I'm not saying that it's bad. I'm saying that it's there. It's a little historical artifact about Dude, Frontierland. I would rather have a Mark Twain merch pop up like cart that sells like mini wooden boats than the stupid petrified tree. I am yes, I I'm with you. Listen, you're talking to the guy who says we need to stop talking about Walt Disney because he's dead. Like, yes, I agree with you. The tree needs to go. Uh, it makes it doesn't need to be like useful. incinerated, but like put it somewhere else. Bring it, put it back in its petrified forest where it belongs. <laughs> it's not going to. Don't you know, don't you know a petrified tree probably wouldn't survive if you released it back into the wild? <laughs> I don't know. You're, you're the science expert as you've declared in the last bracket. You should be able to tell us that. Um, Golden Horseshoe. Haven't talked about it yet. It is a eatery, but it's also a attraction. You can watch shows there. What was the Golden Horseshoe review that had ended recently and they brought in like dueling pianos and then the pandemic hit and they weren't doing any shows. So I'm not too sure what's there now, but I have seen the Golden Horseshoe review before and it's fun. It's that old timey sort of like variety show act. Uh, If you watch some of the old Disneyland TV show episodes from the 50s and 60s, they there's an entire episode that shows the entire show of the Golden Horseshoe Review. Slapstick comedy, uh, some raunchy jokes in there. It's fun, but it's that old Western style show where you have like the piano guy in the corner and, and the can-can girls and that kind of thing. But you can get your chicken nuggets there. It's an air-conditioned space that you can get out of the heat because we all know Frontierland is kind of an open area. You have the uh, the Halloween tree during the Halloween time where they put all of the jack-o'-lanterns on. Uh, there's just all of these little tidbits of Disney history there. But you're 1,000% correct. It is Cars Land because it's, an, it's a can't-miss area of the park. Frontierland detail, fantastic. Turn any corner from the mercantile to where they're making like handmade personalized leather goods as they might do in in the Old West to the shops in Frontierland in these buildings that look like they are like ranch houses. 
detail is great, but you go into Cars Land and it's that level of detail brought into the 21st century, Imagineering flexing on everyone, just as they did with some place like Frontierland. It's just the modern day immersion. And they it's the last great immersion that Disney has done in the States, in my opinion. I mean, Pandora, haven't been. I'm sure it's immersive as hell. But Cars Land is like, this is a familiar place. And every step I take, I'm like, I'm deeper in it. I know these buildings. It's the same layout as the movie, familiar. I can go on to Radiator Springs Racers and enjoy that ride uh, as if I'm also in the movie, as if I'm driving down the street that I just came from. Like the, It's just so smart and so well done. And you're right. It is a can't miss. Last time we just went, went with our Jerry's Gang participants, Brendan Ariel. And I was like, we have, I mean, we have to go to Cars Land. Even if we don't get on Radiator Springs, we have to go to Cars Land. Loved it. They, they were like, we're so happy that we're here. Nighttime, neon, all of the detail, even like the, the closed facades of things that like um, that gas pump area where there's all like the knickknacks in the windows and then there's the four gas pumps like those don't have to be there, but they're there and it just adds to the immersion. It's so smart. And then you bring on the seasons. They're changing uh, Tomater's soundtrack. They're changing Luigi's soundtrack to fit the different seasons. They're changing the direct decorations around the area as if it was an actual town. They're treating it like Main Street USA, where it's like, oh, it's Christmas time in this town, so they would have Christmas decorations. Or it's Halloween in this town, so they would decorate for Halloween. It's a little microcosm of a, an experience within this larger experience. It's just so well done. I agree with you. It's Cars Land moving on past Frontierland. Carly, what do you think about that? Yes, a thousand percent. I agree with the Frontierland history. Like there is a bunch of fun, like factoid tidbits. Of course, everyone loves the Dorito. The first Dorito happened there or whatever. Uh, (laughs) So that's just one of them. But yeah, Cars Land is just great the detail the rides the holiday overlays the food you can't beat that one can we can we come back to the golden horseshoe for just one second of course um you mentioned food there yeah. uh chicken fingers yeah you know this concept of lost media or maybe it <laughs> like you know it's something that's forgotten that like everyone remembers but there's no evidence that it ever existed yeah. I swear the golden horseshoe used to serve giant mozzarella sticks. I believe it. And mozzies are one of my favorite foods. Like outside of tortillas, burritos, quesadillas, mozzies are, are right up there. Oh, dude, mozzarella sticks are so good. And I'm mad because they were good from what I remember. You ready and for they this? Were big. You ready for All this? Right. Give me Quick it. Google search. Mozzarella sticks at golden horseshoe. Bring up our our favorite gossip blog, Mice Chat. Oh boy. Somebody put in the Mice Chat forum. Anyone been denied mozzarella sticks <laughs> at the Golden Horseshoe? That's the title of the of the entry into this forum. And it says, I'm curious because 
One member claims you can still order these if you ask, yet I've asked twice and gotten rude responses each time that basically meant no. Can anyone confirm you can still get them here? So, Chris, they were a thousand percent served there. But okay. by 2014, by 2014, they had disappeared. And this mice chat user had been denied his mozzarella sticks. It's just the saddest, most depressing experience. This happened to me at Chili's about three weeks ago. <laughs> and I, I went and, and I, we went to Chili's specifically so that I could get the Wisconsin cheese curds at Chili's. Ooh, and we yeah. sat down and we ordered chips and salsa and drinks. And then she was like, what can I get for you? And I was like, give me them Wisconsin cheese curds. And she says, we don't have those. And I was like, so why did I even come here? Yeah, that's all you're w- worth here, Chili's. Come on. And your $3 margarita is a margarita, National Margarita Day. So I understand what it feels like to be denied mozzarella sticks, to be denied that fried cheese that your body craves. Yeah. I will not stand for this. You know? Heartbreaking. will not Heart- stand. All right, <laughs> let's move on. Let's move on. Let's move on. All right. It's the next matchup in the Elite Eight. It's number four, Main Street USA versus number 12, Grizzly Peak. Main Street USA. Haven't. Haven't been able to dive in about this yet. So let's go ahead and do that. So obviously, very first land you encounter as you enter Disneyland Park, go under the train station and suddenly you're in the town square. And all you can see are these turn of the century buildings. And at the very end of the street, you see a castle. It instantly you are transported. Uh, What's interesting, and this has been a fact that has been drawn up over and over again, is that turn of the century in 1955 was only about 50 years ago from when Disneyland was founded. So Disneyland opens and that Main Street USA is only about 50 years old. Similarly, that would be here if a Main Street USA reflected what a main street in a town looked like in the 1970s, which is really weird to think about, Hmm. right? Like this main street USA was supposed to be this like novel, nostalgic past that America no longer knew, but it was only about 50 years from when Disneyland had opened. So that would be the same thing as Disneyland opened today, 1970s main street USA. I don't even know what that would look like. There would be what, like disco? There would be a disco tech. A bowling alley, probably. Bowling some some Roller like classic disco. some like solid classic rock music playing. <laughs> the rise of hair bands soon. Yeah. Soon, soon coming. Yeah. So it's just interesting that it was as well received back then to survive the test of time till now. And maybe that was its intention was that, you know, people of the 50s had this nostalgia for the turn of the century because it would be the parents of the kids that would remember these. I mean, probably closer to grandparents at that time would remember this past. And so their kids don't even remember the turn of the century. So it does feel a little bit farther out. And it is just charming and quaint. It is simple. There's a candy shop. There's an arcade. There's a theater. There's a photo shop, which is now gone. It's a Christmas shop or a holiday shop. There's an opera house. 
all of these familiar buildings and social gathering spaces, but brought into this park and made a little bit more special by how detailed they are, how clean, obviously, they are, and how perfect everything seems. Back in the day, as we brought up in our Patreon episode of the History of Disney merch, uh, these stores were a lot more specialized. Now, it's basically just what you can find anywhere else, including the world of Disney and downtown Disney. But at a time, all of these shops were individual sponsored shops because they all helped to pay for the parks. Fortunately, now it's just one big connected building, essentially, where you have all of the regular Disney park stuff, as well as some Disney shop stuff. And then you have the candy store. And on the other side, you have what they kind of brand like the Disney dad shop. Have you ever been in there, Chris? It's like the the like men's little men's section of uh, of clothing. And they have like board shorts and uh, polos for like golf and um wallets <laughs> and, and and socks like men's socks this is this is what men need this we is need wallets and visors all of our money all of our we need like, visors baby to tan our bald heads <laughs> yes it feels like that's exactly who they're targeting when you go in there every i'll every trip i'll poke my head in there because i'm like what dad thing can i purchase because that feels right up my alley and there's never anything because they're targeting like the bald dude that's here with his family and is being forced to buy a, a souvenir. But you can also do some no- novelty things like the um, silhouette of your portrait. You can have that made there. You can get personalized ornaments at the uh, whatever the new holiday shop is on the corner mm-hmm. there. The Coke Corner. Let's talk about Coke Corner real quick. Chris, are you a hot dog fan? Hot dogs are my least favorite food. Great, Carly. Of all of the fan? foods, <laughs> Carly, yeah. Real you big are. Fan and jalapeno cheese pretzel. Oh, yes. Well, my favorite thing, one of my, you know, maybe top five favorite things to do at the Disneyland Park is to grab a chili cheese dog and sit outside of the Coke Corner that shares the what Jolly Holiday like eating area. And listen to the ragtime piano player play. That is just, it's just the vibes right there. I love it so much. It, it, the, the chili cheese corn do- or chili cheese dog. I love chili. So that's instantly great. But then also ragtime piano. And this pianist is also playing like Disney songs converted into ragtime. So it sounds like you're at the time of ragtime, but it's also songs that you're familiar with from other times. It's just fantastic. I love that area. You also have across the street from that area and really across the hub from the Jolly Holiday Bakery. You have the Plaza Inn which is a big like character dining space. It's a buffet space. It's a uh, people usually go there. Now I think they're mostly doing breakfast. It's like character dining breakfast there. Um, but it's this very beautiful building that they use for, for the food. You have Carnation Cafe, which is on like halfway through Main Street, another little eatery that I see people mostly having breakfast at. But then also at late at night, people are having desserts there. Nice. You can be immersed in Main Street USA while you're sitting there. Chris is a transportation guy. 
Talk about an area in the park that has the most transportation attractions. You got Main Street USA. Every transportation vehicle you could ever want. Trolley? Do it. Horse pull, horse pull trolley? Absolutely. Fire truck? Get me on that. Double-decker bus? Absolutely. Where's my ticket? It's amazing. And even better is that they don't have to shut anything down to run these things. You're just there. You're there as it's running. It's almost as if this town is living as you're visiting it. And that's, I think, great about how immersive this area is. So going back to attractions, you also, besides the vehicles, you have the Main Street train station right behind you. And when that thing pulls up and it's this grand announcement that this is the beginning of the Grand Circle Tour of the Disneyland Park, like chills, man, chills. And it toots its horn and off it goes and you'll see it in about 25 minutes or whatever it is. But also Main Street USA is the place that they want you to be for all of these fireworks, right? You got the fireworks show, you can either be in the hub or you can be on Main Street. And these days you can be on Main Street because they have all the projections on the the buildings. They have all of these props maybe that blow up on top of the buildings. It's It's just the place to be. And it's the first impression of these parks. First thing you do is you walk through the gate and you get into this immersive experience and you're like, this is how my experience is going to be for the rest of the time. And unless you take a turn into (laughs) into Tomorrowland or go all the way back into Toontown, basically your experience is going to be this detailed and this wonderful for the rest of your vacation. It's up against Grizzly Peak, and I did not pass Grizzly Peak along last time. I think that it is a fantastic area. I think that it is a great area of DCA. Storytelling is great. Attractions, you got Soren, you got uh, Grizzly River Run, Gur. But when it's matched up against something as thematically detailed as Main Street USA, I don't know that you can deny the iconicism that is the 1955 land. So I'm going number four, Main Street USA. I would like to clarify something real quick. Please. Because I just said that hot dog is my least favorite food, but I also said last episode that I love eating corn dogs. Okay. Conflicting information. So just to clear it up, the way I eat corn dogs is I unwrap the entire thing and then I rip off half of the dog and throw it away. So I basically have the whole corn dog corn, but half the dog. So it's like a two to one corn to dog ratio. So I will nibble off a little bit of the corn dog and then eat some of that corn dog shell so that I still get a little flavor of that like porkiness. But most of it is that nice like cornbread taste. The FBI is on their way to your house right now to arrest you. (laughs) I'm lucky that it comes in one of those little like trays because that's really where I do the majority of like my mixing. <laughs> it's where the surgery takes place. Right. Um, so Grizzly, the thing that like is so hard for me, um, I agree with everything you say about Main Street USA. It is the gold standard for entry areas into a theme park. It is the, it is the one every other theme park is compared to. The thing is like you pass through it but you're never like in other places in the park and you go, Hey, you know what we should do? Let's go, let's go hang out at main street USA for a little bit. 
They're like, sure. let's go, let's go, let's go check out Lincoln. It's like, okay, maybe mm, yeah, if we so. have nothing better to do, we'll hit Lincoln on the way in, or we'll hit Lincoln on the way out, or on the way hopping parks. You never, you have no reason to be in like the small world plaza and be like, okay, let's go down and hit Lincoln, and then we'll come back up and go to Adventureland or something like that. Um, so it like, yes, it's great as an entry plaza, but like as a land in a theme park, does it have everything else that it is supposed to have? Like, it's great, but in a way it's kind of like a a black sheep, a very beautiful black sheep, but (laughs) a black sheep amongst all of these other themed lands. Uh, Grizzly Peak, I think is the best land at California Adventure. Better than Pixar Pier, better than Avengers Campus. Um, I definitely think it is the best themed area. It has some solid attractions in the Grizzly River Run and in um, Soren. It's got some solid shopping options. You went into detail about all of the different, like, cool, unique, high quality merch items that you can buy. Carly shouted out that it's hooked up to Downtown Disney and the Grand Californian Hotel. I, I didn't think I was going to do this, but I, I'm going to have to go with Grizzly Peak here um, just because I think it is a better land in the context of all of the other lands that we're talking about. Okay. I think it's got everything that you need. Carly, you're breaking this tie. It's going to have to be Main Street USA. Just the history, it really makes your vacation, makes your experience. The history with the forest perspective and everything that they, the Imagineers and everyone put behind it and opening up to the castle. And again, the free smells is just... <laughs> Free smells and so good. It's vanilla, like normally, but during the holidays, they like make it peppermint. Like it's all so detailed and just really gives you that Disney feeling. And of course, the castle is very Instagrammable. It's like one of the most photographed like things in the world. (laughs) Yeah. All right, let's hop over to the other side. We've got number two, Galaxy's Edge versus number seven, Pixar Pier. Oh, this one is easy for me. I did not love Pixar Pier in the last matchup. I can't remember. I think I had Pixar Pier losing to Tomorrowland. Don't remember. Yeah, yeah you Brain did. not working. Yeah, you did. Um, Galaxy's Edge is just so great. I have said this before. I'm the first person who has Star Wars fatigue. You know, I loved Star Wars as a kid. Watched all of the movies many times. Know all the quotes. Know a lot about the characters and the world of Star Wars. But I heard about this Galaxy's Edge project and I was like, I don't know that I need this. Like I'm kind of Star Wars out after all of these new movies kind of did not land with me. I don't know that I need more Star Wars. I don't know that there's a whole lot you can do with Star Wars. Um, This is such a big investment. So much land is going to be taken up by this. Do we really need it? TBD on the remaining Star Wars IPs that they're rolling out with on, on Disney Plus and eventually in theaters again. Uh, but they really, really crushed Galaxy's Edge. Like, I just, I had high expectations for the quality and they met them. I had low expectations for like me enjoying the Star Wars aspect of it and, and they far exceeded them. Uh, I loved the uh, Stormtroopers in places. I think it's a little bit uh, unrealized expectations for just, I think, how many 
atmosphere actors they were going to have walking around Galaxy's Edge, but they'll, they'll have some stormtroopers here and there. We'll have a little Kylo Ren meet and greet. Chewbacca working on the Millennium Falcon, like that is maybe one of the best character interactions like in, in the whole park. Yeah, it feels it feels so feels so natural. You can you can meet him, you can greet him. I don't know, will he take a picture with you? I'm not sure, but it just like you you see that actor and you go, that is that feels like that's actually Chewbacca. Like I'm tr- I'm treating this thing like it really is him. Um, and I just I really really love that. Blue milk, green milk, nasty. You've had them. Hate it. Tastes like a melted popsicle. <laughs> I've never had them. I don't know. Do what not recommend. Okay. Don't recommend. Don't don't like it. Um, it would, like drinking flowers. Which is weird because I always thought it would be like drinking like um like a cin- like cinnamon or like some kind of like nutmeg, like a milk, like a regular milk, but maybe with just a little bit more spice to it. Like yeah, they taste like juice. Yeah, or lotion. Oh. They taste like you're drinking lotion. Love yeah. that. Oh. I think like. there were people, I think we had a couple people watching us drink it. Um, and they saw my face and they were like, oh, he made a face that I was hoping he would not make when he took a sip of that. <laughs> Guess we're not going to go buy us some green milk. Um, I've not been to Oga's. Did not have time to hit that up. Uh, did not hit Ronto Roaster. Got a Tritorian chip, chip, yip sandwich, something. It's something like that, at one of those little little counter service spots. Um, yeah. And I thought it was pretty good. I'm not about to build a lightsaber for three hundred dollars. Not nope. about to build a Star Wars BB-8 for a hundred dollars. Smuggler's Run is is a fine attraction. I I I am fine not riding it again, like ever. <laughs> I didn't love it. Um, Rise of the Resistance is great. It is, it is really, really good. Bathroom situation in Galaxy's Edge. Oh my goodness. <laughs> we talked about if I'm in New Orleans Square, I might head up to uh, Hungry Bear to use the restroom. I, I might just start heading all the way back up to Galaxy's Edge to use the restroom. <laughs> because that one that's in the very back, oh yeah. my goodness. Absolutely incredible. Not only like a great restroom, but like feels so themed. It's like unlike any restroom you've ever been in where the faucets are in like a unique location and the the um the sink is in the center. Uh the, the fixtures are interesting shapes and textures and materials. Very cool. Very very cool. Yeah, Pixar Pier just doesn't really do it for me. I mean, it's it's frustrating because there are so many great things to do in Pixar Pier. Incredicoaster, Boardwalk Games, Pixar Pal Around, Midway Mania. But it like as a land, it just doesn't feel strong thematically. So it's it's a place where I like to do things. Do I enjoy being there? Not so much as in Galaxy's Edge. So that's why I'm giving the two seed the advance here. It's interesting because your argument against Main Street USA is exactly what I'm using against Galaxy's Edge is that it's a place that I love to visit, but it's not keeping me there. I'm going to swing by because it's like, uh, this is the brand new thing. It's really immersive. Everyone should go check it out. 
Rise is a, a the attraction in the park that you have to do. Um, but Millennium Falcon is ne- not necessarily. I hadn't done it since it came out for three trips and then finally did it. And it was fun, but really frustrating because it's very difficult. But otherwise, like, there's not a whole lot more. You wouldn't like Rontos because it's just hot dogs wrapped in like pita bread. So you, that, you wouldn't like Ronto's Roasters. I like it. I thought it was delicious. Ogus Cantina. Fantastic. Fantastic. It, like that, that is a must-do bar. Must-do ride, must-do bar are definitely back there. But there's not a ton else to do because I'm not going to buy Star Wars stuff. I'm not going to do a droid build. I'm not going to build a lightsaber. There's nothing else for you to check out. You can walk through the shops. It's very detailed. It's lovely. But unless you're a big Star Wars fan, uh, you're just somewhere that is unrecognizable to you. Pixar Pier just has so much from its many shops to its boardwalk games to its attractions to Lamplight Lounge, which I love their cocktails. I love their eats. I love Senor Buzz's churros, different flavors of churros. Angry dogs, if you don't want Ronto Roasters, you got the the spicy dogs out on the pier. I love the atmosphere of the pier. I'm I'm a I'm a Santa Cruz Beach boardwalk boy. And so if I'm going to have some sort of pier-like experience with the popcorn lighting and the the sounds and thrills of a pier, it replicates it very well. You also have the little beer hut down on the end there that you can grab mobile order some beers, bring them back, hang out on the pier, overlook the beautiful water over to the Miss the Dance Paradise Gardens. And just it's just a great time. And Carly brought it up. I've never watched it from back there, but you can watch some backside of Water World of Color if you want to. It just has so much to it that you could spend so much time there and do multiple things the entire time that I don't think that Galaxy's Edge offers to the commoner. Unless you have 300 bucks to spend on a lightsaber, you're not going to go do that 35-minute experience with the lightsaber. But you can drop 15 bucks on some boardwalk games and have a lot of fun with your friends. I'm going Pixar Pier, which means that Carly is breaking the tie. So you are not talking with a big Star Wars fan. Um, I do have a kind of special connection to Galaxy's Edge because I was working there when it first opened. So I got to do the cast preview, which felt really special being one of the first people to see the land. And even before anyone got to go in the land, I was actually one of the testers for Smuggler's Run. So it was really neat going in there before a lot of the elements were done and going on the ride and like reviewing it and say do this that all that stuff so it it is kind of special for me in that way but it's kind of like toontown how you said there's no shade it's kind of like a big concrete land and very very hot (laughs) and if you go with the star wars fan oh prepare to spend your whole day there like if you go with one of your Star Wars friends, they will make you wait an hour and a half to see Kylo Ren. But <laughs> so it's not really my favorite. I'm going to definitely pick Pixar Pier. Just 
the vibes immaculate on a warm day just even sitting out like you said looking over the water and it's just a lot more for everyone to do pick scarf here all the way when you were doing the cast previews does that include the second tier opening when they did rise of the resistance were you able to hop in there after Uh, no unfortunately no but it was kind of cool because we were able to use our cast member discount and now you're not allowed to. <laughs> um, so I actually went to Oga's. I haven't been there since, but I went like before it opened. So that was good experience. And that makes me think of another major L that I think Galaxy's Edge took. So I went on the cast preview. I went and I made a droid. And the whole thing about the droid was that you can drive it around and it was supposed to interact with the land. And within like the first week of Galaxy's Edge opening, they were like, just kidding. No, (laughs) if you drive it around, like we're going to take it back from you. And so it was kind of like, great what's the point of that like i only really chase my dog with it like there's nothing else that i do with it (laughs) so like i'm not gonna bring it back to the park and roll it around so major Uh, out there i would uh i would terrorize my cat with a little droid oh and she would not like that she would not like it it would be game over absolutely okay let's move on to this final elite eight matchup it's the number three fantasy land Versus the number six, Adventureland. Talk a lot about Adventureland. So let's let's dive into Fantasyland a little bit. Walk through the castle. You're in this little quaint European small fairy book land town. Uh, if you are walking through the castle at the right time, you got um, When You Wish Upon a Star is playing as you walk under the castle and you enter in and you got the carousel whirling around. You got Peter Pan's line circling around multiple times. You've got many options. And then at the end, you have the sword and a lot of strollers. There's a lot happening in Fantasyland at all times of the day. It doesn't actually like die down. It's just always mayhem. But what's wonderful about it is that it is lively. There's so much to it. If you're standing there, you could see the pearly band which are those like colored stripe suited five piece bands that might be on the carousel or they might be tucked around the corner from Pinocchio's uh, just kind of hanging out in the, in the enclave there. You might have the Disneyland band itself that is walking through. There's just so, so much unpredictable, unpredictable quote unquote magic about the place that Disney likes to kind of sprinkle in there. And if you're standing in line for something like Snow White and you're looking towards Peter Pan, you have the Matterhorn that's like peering over the rooftops of the rest of Fantasyland. And it's just so picturesque. I love hitting that switch back on Snow White and looking out into Fantasyland mm. and seeing the mountain over the rooftops because that forced perspective actually works when you can't see the base of the mountain. It's like, whoa, there's a huge mountain over there because it's over the rooftops of that, that little building. It's amazing. I've admittedly never been on the carousel ever, even as a kid. As an adult, obviously, like I've never been on the carousel, but I love it in that space 
because it provides a lot of the background music for Fantasyland because it's so loud, but it feels right for the area. And then once you exit out of that, you got your Dumbo, you got your storybook, you got your Mad Tea Party, and then you pass that, you got the Matterhorn. So you have like the quintessential Disney patented rides, which are these dark rides. Then you have the iconic Dumbo Spinner. You have a storytelling ride that is a flume ride, essentially, which is the storybook land canal boats. And then you have a nice little thrill in the Matterhorn. And then, oh, but wait, you have the belly flop small world sitting at the back. And if you happen to hit that thing at Christmas time, you've never seen a greater display of lights than that facade. It is gorgeous. So talk about nighttime experiences if we're talking about lights. Cars Land, elite. But if you walk around Fantasyland at nighttime, if you come into that little main area like through the castle and you're in the chaos, very low light, feels like that's probably right for the, the time period that this land would take place. Turn the corner, one of the greater nighttime experiences you could have, Mad Tea Party. With this lanterns alone, and then you turn left and you hit uh, you hit Small World, and if it's normal time of year, gorgeous array of lights. But if it's if it's the holidays, it is just something to see. Those areas are also areas to observe for fireworks, especially Small World, because they do all of the projections onto that side as well. And I'm a big Matterhorn guy. Bobby Gurr, we're big Bobby Gurr podcast here. And Bobby Gurr was a, a big influence on the Matterhorn and how those ride vehicles were going to careen down that mountain. And it's just another little point of Disney history. So is Fantasyland. But Fantasyland also isn't what it used to be, which thank goodness, honestly. Uh, I'm glad that it's not the Renaissance Fair looking facades that once upon a time was but uh what it is now is kind of really sets the standard for things that come after it like a galaxy's edge like a cars land like a harry potter world like a pandora like really dropping somebody into the middle of something and in this case it's just the middle of a of a storybook that has multiple stories all around it and i like that it they didn't need to make it a Radiator Springs. They didn't need to make it a downtown of London. They didn't need to make it down the rabbit hole, but they made it an area that is familiar if you are into fairy tales or if you know about the Disney brand and, and Disney storytelling. It is a, a hub of storytelling, and I think that they do it very well. Pinch points. They got them. Several. <laughs> Several. They could sell them if they want to. They have a stockpile of pinch points. And it's not fun. If you hit that area around 11 a.m. Right near the carousel, good luck. See, for me, it's like 2, 2.30, 3 o'clock. It's on either that side parade, of lunch. Yep, that parade is going through there, too. It's on either side Forget of lunch. Forget about it. They're either leaving to go someplace to lunch or they're returning back from lunch. It is the worst. Stroller City. 
The entire Fantasyland just in general is just Stroller Town USA. And it's not fun. You have Carly who has to put these strollers on trains to get people out of there. Like it's it's not enjoyable experience as far as trying to make your way through all of those strollers. It's up against Adventureland, which I talked about last time. Tropical Hideaway, you got the Tiki Room, you got Jungle Cruise, you got Indiana Jones, you got the Bazaar, you got Bengal Barbecue, you got Tarzan's Treehouse. All in a very small square footage. Fantasyland, huge. Fantasyland stretches for ever, it feels like, uh, especially with the amount of attractions that are there. Fantasy, er, Adventureland is just like a, a pathway that gets you to pirates, <laughs> it feels like sometimes. And we're talking about best Disneyland land. And I want to give it to Adventureland because I think Adventureland between these two is my favorite because I like those attractions more. I like where to eat there more. I've never eaten at Red Rose Tavern and the Pinocchio's, what was it? Some Tavern house, house, something. Village house. Village house. <laughs> never eaten there. Uh, mostly because strollers. Uh, and But Adventureland feels a little bit like Frontierland where we are hyping up exoticism right. that doesn't exist, that shouldn't exist. Jungle Cruise had to go ahead and get rid of all of that already. Uh, Tiki Room's next. We've been saying that forever. I love the Tiki Room. I love Tiki culture because it's now not real. It's, I mean, it's never been real, but now it's really, really not real. But Fantasyland is just a little storybook village. And Disney was built on stories. I'm going to go with the number three here. I, I I will say that I don't want to write off Adventureland entirely oh, in no. the nighttime experience department specifically. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You got the fire it's torches, an, baby. It, right. It's an entirely different uh, vibe. You've got like ultra stimulation in Fantasyland at nighttime. Music, lights, motion. It's wild. Adventureland has this sort of like mystery to it. Dim lighting. You can't really see any of the attractions. It's just like forest and torches and some like flickering lanterns. Um, it's, it's one of the darker areas of the park at nighttime. And a night ride on Jungle Cruise is the Ugh. only ride on Jungle Cruise that I acknowledge. <laughs> it's a good um, one. It's, it's a when, good one. You know, you're at that point in the day where you're so tired that the jokes start feeling funnier, you know? <laughs> um, and hopefully everyone who was dying to get on Indy's already gotten on it. Yeah. Know. But uh, extremely into um, Adventureland at nighttime. I'm agreeing with you with Fantasyland, though. There's just so there's just so much, there's just so much Fantasyland um, for this matchup. I think it it advances over Adventureland. Carly, I'm gonna assume that you are not disappointed in this result. Definitely not. Pro Team Fantasyland. Great. Well, look, we've got one, two, three, four. Just kidding. We've got one, two, seven, four. Just yeah. kidding. We've got one, two. <laughs> One, seven, four, three. Yes. Numbers are hard. All right. So we've got our final four. Who will head to the finals? The number one Cars Land versus the number four Main Street USA. Both both streets 
they're both technically streets. Downtown areas. So this, they have a lot in common <laughs> in a lot of ways. Uh, did, did you bring up the Disney gallery yet? Not yet. So one super amazing part of Main Street USA is the Disney gallery or the Disneyana store. Um, to scale model of Disneyland Park. Love it. Yep. Some little, some little old uh, concept art on the walls in the Main Street Opera House. Love that. If you listen to the Patreon episode, I talked about how it used to be the Bank of America and the vault is still there and the teller's checkout station is still there. Uh, so it, you feel like there is still remnants of the history of what that place used to be, which was a Bank of America basically since day one. And they've kept it all this time. Are they still running Steve Martin in the lobby area? The the fiftieth uh, movie thing that he did probably not huh yeah probably not I don't know it's what's probably running outdated in there. by now it's some Walt Disney was a god amongst men thing <laughs> right <laughs> something interesting about Main Street USA assuming there is no parade going on I would say it is the only land in the park that you can feel safe stopping and you are not creating any type of traffic hazard. If you're going in, I think at nighttime. Sure. The thing, though, is that they have emergency exit like side tunnels right. now. So yeah, if yeah, there yeah. was like a, a parade or a yes, fireworks yes. show ending, they could just pour everyone out. Yeah. Um, yeah. When it's like when there are huge crowds trying to leave the park. But I'm just talking like kind of throughout the day. I am always very hyper aware of like, is this a good place to stop? That comes Same. from living in New York City when there's just a lot of people on the sidewalk. It's like you can't just like stop and send a text message because no. people are going to bump into you. And it's the same at Disneyland. So if you're walking through Adventureland and you're just like, oh, let me stop for a second and get something out of my backpack, you're, you're creating a, an obstruction. You're going to create a traffic jam, just like you're in a vehicle stopping in the middle of the freeway. Yeah. But Main Street USA, that town square area, you can pretty much stop anywhere and people will be able to go around you. Main Street USA itself, pretty wide. Um, and then all, obviously you've got the hub area, um, which is a great place for photos. Stop at your leisure and, and take some pics. Lots of bathrooms on Main Street USA. Five. <laughs> Five restrooms, more than any other land at the Disneyland Resort. Um, I believe Disneyland Hotel has more for public use, but that's, that's not what we're talking about. I will say that the, 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 even though there is a high quantity of restrooms, the quality is questionable at times. Sure. Uh, the one at City Hall is meh, uh, as is the one uh, off to the right, the right-hand side when you enter the park. Um, I'd rather use those ones by like the near the entrance to Star Tours. Also, secret bathroom at the Main Street Infirmary. Oh, really? Yeah, there's a single single occupancy restroom. Oh. So if you're someone who has like a fear of public urination, just head to the <laughs> infirmary and say, "Can I please use the restroom here?" You get some privacy. Done okay. it. I've done it. I've done it before. Okay. I would say Main Street USA. Um, I mean, like, is the front of the castle Main Street USA? Like, do you consider that Main Street USA? No. 
I don't I don't either. But I think on the park map it might be. The front of it? Oh yeah. interesting. I think that it's an important part of Main Street USA. Like it's the it's the backdrop, but it's not a point of interest on Main Street USA. Regardless, I think outside of Sleeping Beauty's castle, Main Street USA is the most iconic Disneyland locale. Um, people who don't know Disney parks would be able to recognize and name where you are if they saw a picture of it. I agree. And I'll echo this once again. This entry plaza, Main Street USA, is the gold standard for entry plazas in the theme park industry. You mentioned all the shopping options. Yeah, that's great. Love it. Love all the transportation rides, obviously, as well. Music on Main Street USA. Pretty good. Ah, uh, yeah. Pretty good. You got some ragtime going. You got some little minis yoo-hoo. Yeah, you can get a little dapper dance. A little dapper dance. Cars Land is, is one of the newer lands, and I really appreciate the kind of like recreating a fictional place aspect of it. I think it's definitely a can't miss spot. It's just hard to, it feels like apples and oranges because like you have to walk down Main Street USA. You, <laughs> like you, you can't go to Disneyland without doing that. So Would I can't like, go oh to yeah, Main Street? Main Street USA's can't miss. It's like, well, you, you can't, you literally can't miss it. Would you say that if it was not the entrance though? Would you say that we got to go to this like shopping district uh, while we're at the parks? I would say I would say no unless the person really wanted to do some shopping. Right. Because just to me there's nothing particularly interesting about turn of the century America. Sure. Uh yeah, I think I'm going to apply the same argument I did last round. I advanced Grizzly Peak over the fact that Main Street USA is feels like kind of an oddball on this bracket, and I think I'm going to have to give it to the one seed Carsland going to the finals. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's Cars Land. This is the route that Main Street ran. But when it comes to the offerings of these two lands, immersion factors there. They are both very well themed to the time period or the replication that they they are applied to. But Cars Land just has the offerings that you would want out of a Disney park. It has attractions. It has shopping. It has immersion. It has theming. It has Things for folks of all ages. Main Street USA definitely does, has a lot of history uh, as far as the parks go, considering it has basically remained unchanged as far as it looks since the opening of the park. But that same energy of immersion and opportunities for guests was just transferred into Carsland and brought into the 21st century, into 2012. And they, they just did what they... They knew they had to do for that kind of land. So I agree with you, Chris. Definitely Main Street going down and Cars Land moving on to the finals. Carly, what do you think about that? Yeah, I at first was going to pick Main Street USA, but once you put in the content context of would you go there if you didn't have to walk through it, and especially if you take the front of the castle out of it, then I think it's a no for me. So Cars Land goes yeah. through and i mean listen like the front of the castle is a part of main street but it's not necessarily associated with it it's just like it's a it's a thing that you can see from and it's a great picture op and you can 
you can enjoy its view from it. It's kind of like seeing Tom Sawyer's Island from New Orleans Square. That's not part of New Orleans Square. That's part of Frontierland, but you can enjoy that riverfront. It's the same thing. And that's just what happens when you blend the borders of these places. Uh, and so the ambiance on Main Street is great, but it's just greater at Cars Land. All right, let's move on to the last final four matchup. It's the number seven Pixar Pier versus number three Fantasyland. And Chris, it has to be Fantasyland here. Uh, Pixar Pier, once again, has ran its course. It's I think that it's a great land for DCA. There's a lot to do. It's themed towards that boardwalk feel, which may not be super Disney, but that's where the IP comes in. And if you can look at it from a almost like a California Great America standpoint, where it's a theme park that's themed to IP, <laughs> but it's called Great America. Very similar to the California Adventure here. It's California Adventure, but it's themed to Disney IP. It works for me and I like it. And there's something about it, something almost DCA 1.0 still about there being this pier that has some sort of tie into Disney that really tugs at my nostalgia strings. But when it comes to a best Disney land, Pixar Pier is not going to go up against Fantasyland and win. Fantasyland is just what this park was built on the back of as far as its movies go. And so it's going to move on to the finals to face Cars Land for me. Uh, same. I've been trying to get Pixar Pier off this bracket uh, <laughs> since we started this thing. So I'm, I'm, I'm fine seeing it go. So uh, it'll be number one Cars Land versus number three Fantasyland. So Carly, why don't... Why don't we go to you? I know like Ooh. fantasy land's been kind of like, uh, really kind of had a, an easy ride to the finals here. So, I mean, you have a lot of experience with this land and I feel like you haven't gotten an opportunity to, to like really say your piece on fantasy land. So I would really like to hear it before we start talking about it. Well, obviously I will pick fantasy land overall. They just, yeah, encompass the magic of Disney and, and, I almost, when I got hired, I got a choice between DCA and Disney, and I picked Disneyland just because, hmm. yeah, the magic and the original, just everything about it. And Small World was never really my favorite attraction <laughs> before I started working there. But since working there, uh, it has totally became my all-time favorite attraction oh, um wow. and then storybook land is just has so much history about it um it was another one of the opening attractions that ended up failing and they had to close it i don't know if you know the whole history and then so it reopened again the next year as storybook land and just all of the little Easter eggs inside of it. Like when you go through Monstro at the very top, you can look up and it's like, there's the, like black almost from the Pinocchio um, lighting the match. Um, oh. Yeah, there's like a bunch of hidden Easter eggs like that. One of the oldest, the oldest tree that was planted by Walt himself is actually in Storybook Land. <laughs> That's dope. Yeah. So a bunch of little Easter eggs. And I feel like a ton of the rides are like that and have little hidden things throughout them more than any other land kind of does. And each ride has their own little story. Yeah. 
Carly, uh, can you give me like your favorite line from the storybook land spiel, like in your storyteller voice? Okay, okay. <laughs> First to say, in a whale we go. Welcome aboard, friends. My name is Carly, and I'll be your captain and your storyteller today aboard the Sis Safety Spiel before and after. So my favorite joke, <laughs> my favorite joke was, please keep your hands, your arms, your feet and legs and your fingers inside the boat at all times, as we don't want another Captain Hook running around. And everyone thought it was hilarious. <laughs> but <laughs> and another one of my favorite lines that I didn't personally use, but one of my other cast member friends, um, when we were pulling up to the dock at the end, he always would get applause. And like, you would get applause like, maybe once or twice a day. It wasn't a common thing, but he was always getting applause. So I was like, what are you doing? And so he says that before he'd pull into the dock, he would say that the boat, to get to the dock runs on applause and he would make all the guests clap for him before he like pulled into the dock that was, uh, that's probably one of my favorite <laughs> that's good that's good i like the uh whale we go yes. line as well that's i like that whale we go whale come aboard <laughs> nice whale um, so uh, yeah, I think Cars Land is such a kind of like an immersive uh, experience. You really feel like you're stepping into this place. Um, Fantasyland feels like a mishmash of various things. And that's why this matchup is really hard for me. Because on one hand, I agree with Carly in saying that like Fantasyland has the magic. And like really the theme is just magic and storytelling and bringing in all of these classic Disney signature animated pieces to create this feeling more than anything. I mean, so like, I really like that. And, and that is what I look for when I, when I enter the park, I, I want to be whisked away. I mean, to a far off lands. Um, so the cohesion is not necessarily one that maybe visually or physically is cohesive. It's more like emotionally cohesive. Yep. Wow, that was poetry. That was poetry. Um, I, I like I will go to bat for Fantasyland time and time again when it comes to like where to spend your time in the parks. Like I will go with a group and people will want to go um and park hop and hit and credit coaster or they'll want to wait that extra 30 or 45 minutes to ensure they get on Indiana Jones or they'll they'll want to do another Space Mountain run um, because they just don't want to wait more than 30 minutes for a Snow White or a Toad or a Pinocchio or a Storybook Land, etc. And like I vehemently disagree. I am the type of person that is like, we need to do the whole fantasy land loop. Yeah. We have to get all four of those dark rides in the courtyard area. We have to go out and get Alice. We have to go up and get um Small World, and we have to get a night ride on the Matterhorn. Like, my day at Disneyland is not complete without doing all of those things. We can throw in Mad Hatter, sure. But, like, um, even though Cars Land is a place that I think I like to be, I think it's really cool, themed really well. It's very impressive. 
fantasy land is just it's just not Disneyland without it. And I mm. think Cars Land could very much be removed. And I would miss it, but I wouldn't feel like there's a gaping hole <laughs> in in the experience overall. Uh, Fantasyland just so important to the structural integrity of your Disneyland day. So I am crowning the number three seed Fantasyland as the winner, which is like something I didn't really want to do because uh, we, we talk so much on this podcast about the dark rides and they won the best ride type bracket and Peter Pan won the best Fantasyland ride bracket. Um, and... I just feel like we're being really basic by picking Fantasyland here, but I, I I think it's true. Yeah, well, I'm the tiebreaker on this, and I there's nothing for me to break. Fantasyland has already won, but I was gonna go with Carsland, uh, okay, because I feel like Carsland is the next evolution of a Fantasyland type area. I feel like it's just as immersive. Obviously, it's tied to an IP and cars, but even if you don't know cars, just like if you don't know any of the Disney stories, uh, you can still show up to that land and feel like you're in a different place and be impressed by the scale and the immersion of it. I think the attractions, just like Fantasyland, have a little bit of something for everyone. Obviously, it doesn't come with the history, but it comes with the the mission of Imagineering when it comes to these parks. It's to to take you into this other world, this world of fantasy, and Cars Land is a lot like that. Plus, I mean, DCA always has the hand up on being a more adult-friendly park, so you don't feel as pinched with the strollers. The queues are meant for the crowds now as opposed to the crowds in the late 80s, early 90s. So the queues for Snow White, you're not really... You're, you're packed in there and all the dark ride queues as opposed to some of these other ones in Cars Land where it's a little bit more breathable and there's just more room to, to move about the cabin. So I like that Cars Land kind of takes the torch from Fantasyland and brings us into this new realm of Disney themed lands. But it doesn't matter because we've already done it. Carly has spoken her piece. Chris has spoken his piece and we have crowned the best Disneyland land and that goes to the quintessential the iconic the magical the number three seed it is fantasy land and as we do at the end of every bracket we are going to clap it out not surprised I mean yeah. like if I if I had to guess it would either be the one or three seed here uh, hmm. so I'm not surprised that fantasy land especially when Carly shows up and she she immediately tells us, oh, yeah, I used to work in Fantasyland. Like, yeah, it was it was about to happen. Um, but that was a lot of fun. I love talking about the parks. I'm glad that we got to get into some of the details of them all. And I just really enjoyed our conversation. And Carly, thank you so much for jumping into the madness that is this podcast for the very first time. We hope that you had a good time and we hope that you'll come back for another episode sometime soon. Oh my gosh. Yes. Thank you. It was super fun and I'm happy with the results. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone, you know how to reach us. If you got something to say about our choice for our best Disneyland resort land winner. Do you have a, a bracket idea of your own? Would you like to hop on and do some, some tie breaking, some guest hosting? We would love to hear from you. Email us at mouse at gmail.com or hit us up on social media 
We are on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Discord. All of those channels are linked in the description of this podcast. If you'd like to support us on Patreon by becoming a member of Jerry's Gang at the $5 level, head on over to patreon.com slash mousemadness, where you will have access to two bonus Mouse Madness episodes a month, as well as an invite to our seasonal Disney trivia. Congrats to our recent winners, Bryn and Uriel, for pulling the win out of the bag. Absolutely impressive. They walked away with a sweet uh, Bing Bomb Bob Gurr twin pin pack. Absolutely epic. I mean, we would love to, to see you all there. Till next time, folks. Happy spring. Till the spire. I want